Good morning. My name is Bill Safestrom. And this morning our scripture reading is from the book of Acts. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading verses 25 through 40 from Acts chapter 8 in the English Standard Version. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to this. Is this the 4th of July weekend, or is next weekend the 4th of July weekend? Like, when it's on a Wednesday, how does that work? I'm not really sure. We could just, we could do both, though, right? We've got all of our family coming in starting tonight uh, for this week, coming from Arizona and California. We have a big uh, celebration on Wednesday down at my cousin's on the lake. He basically has a bunker. There are so many fireworks, it, you cannot believe it. Um, and then Friday, we're going to get together, and everybody's going to see the new baby. So we've got lots going on, but i got to say, I'm a little nervous about the weather, because trying to get people up here from California and Arizona when this is happening is a little rough. So um, my daughter-in-law also always already isn't crazy about coming up here. So um, anyway, hope, pray for sunshine so that she thinks it really is an okay place to live. Well, today we are continuing in our uh, series in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 8, the second part of a sermon that I started last week. And um, actually, the book of Luke is the first part of Luke's uh, works. Acts is the second part. And a lot of uh, theologians refer to the book of Acts as Luke-Acts, almost as one book. 
Well, last week we looked at the difference between real and counterfeit Christianity. We read about Philip and how he went to Samaria. He met a magician named Simon there. And Simon looked real on the outside. All of his actions, his words, all seemed to line up with the other Christian converts. But then he asked a question. He asked for the spiritual power that the apostles had, and he actually asked if he could purchase it. He wanted to be able to lay hands on the people and for them to receive the Holy Spirit, which seems like, why is that a bad thing? That sounds like a good thing. But you see, he wanted to purchase something that was priceless. His desire revealed that it wasn't Jesus he believed in, it was really more of the miracles and signs that he was interested in. So Simon was outed as a counterfeit Christian. But now we're turning to a second man in this chapter of uh, Acts, in chapter 8, a man that Philip witnessed to on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And instead of an example of counterfeit Christianity, we're going to see how both Philip and this man, who was an unlikely convert, were the opposite. They were authentic Christians. Now, I was reminded of thinking about authenticity and things that are counterfeit or not real. And a friend of mine, she has a birthday on Christmas, and a few years ago, when she was turning 40, what she wanted for her birthday slash Christmas present was diamond stud earrings. That was all, that's what she's been wanting. Her husband, great, he was gonna go get them. He took her sister with him to pick them out. And her sister, I cannot believe this woman was not disowned, said, just get the cubic zirconian ones. They look the same, but they're cheaper. Well, he did that and wrapped them up. And Christmas morning, she opens them up. And somehow the kids, who were young at the time, knew what had happened. And they were all excited. And she takes them out. And of course, the youngest one pipes up and says, and you could hardly believe that they're fake. <laughs> Well, Christmas was not a happy day for that husband and probably some time afterwards. They were not authentic. Well, our story today starts with an angel of the Lord telling Philip to go south on a road that goes to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Gaza. And at the height of this flourishing ministry in Samaria, God is calling Philip away to go and minister to one individual person. Now, I want to stop here for a minute because last week it was because of the adversity of persecution that the ministry was expanded. Those believers were scattered to other areas than Jerusalem. God used the persecution to carry out his plan. Things had to get really difficult or uncomfortable for these Christians to go and move to an unlikely place, which would be Samaria, but here, it's when things were going really well. People were coming to Christ. This ministry was amazing. It's in this that now God calls Philip out. I think what's important about this, or at least to me, is to know that we need to be completely open to where the Spirit is leading us because we cannot use our past experience to predict what God wants us to do in the future. Our circumstances or our feelings cannot be what leads us. 
It could be that in adversity, we're supposed to stay and watch God work in that adversity. Or it could be like Philip before he went to Samaria that God used it to tell him it's time to go someplace else. Now, the book of Acts is all about the Spirit leading these early Christians as the church was getting established. To me, of all 66 books in the Bible, I think this one is the most apparently Spirit-led one. Both Philip and the Ethiopian official are led by the Spirit, although I don't think the Ethiopian official quite knew that at this point. The story of Philip's encounter with this Ethiopian are really important for several reasons. This story is a foreshadowing of the fulfillment of Jesus' original mandate, witnessing to uh, the, the entire region to go beyond where they were. You see, one of the major themes in Acts is the universalization of the gospel. It's for all people, even those at the ends of the earth. And at this time period, that's what Ethiopia was thought to be. Another important element is the conversion of people in high social status. We see this also in chapter 10 later on. Most likely, this man was a Gentile who converted to Judaism, which is why he would have been at that temple worshiping to begin with. Now, I decided to keep up with my chart theme because last week I got so much positive feedback from you all that you loved the chart. There's nothing more satisfying than a good chart. When my kids were little, we made charts for them or they participated to see what they needed to do each day. And if they couldn't read, then at that point we were cutting out pictures from magazines. Brush teeth, wash face, get dressed, make your bed, etc., etc. And if I wasn't sure, or if I was sure that they had missed something on that chart, I would just say, did you check your chart? And that helped things go. As I get older, I need to make a chart for myself, I gotta say. We're gonna fill this chart in. We're looking at authentic Christianity, and it is open and available to the Holy Spirit's leading. Philip does not seem to flinch at the command that he was given by this angel of the Lord. He wasn't told why he should do this. Now, I don't know about you, but I would ask why, and I would push that a little bit. Why didn't he? Well, I think it's because Philip knew from his experience that God had a plan, and he didn't, know, didn't need to know what it was quite yet. Notice it says that this road, it's a desert road. Do you ever feel like God is taking you on a road that feels like you're in the desert? An unfamiliar place? It seems dry and desolate and not a lot of life there. You might be feeling that way today, or you may be thinking of a time in the past. And I wonder if Philip felt that way. Well, in addition to being open, Philip also, he made himself available. He didn't say he was too busy or this isn't a good time for me. Some of the most meaningful ministry experiences I have ever had have been those impromptu, not planned situations. A few years ago, I got a call from a daughter of a man who used to go to church here, Ray Folkers. Many of you remember Ray. 
she needed someone to come and sit with him. You see, Ray was in his last days and couldn't be left alone, and she needed to go and get some errands done. Well, this was not in my schedule, but I knew I needed to go. So I took my portable communion set with me, and I headed on over. Ray couldn't talk much at that point, but he could respond to what I was saying. I read some scripture, chatted with him a little bit, asked him if he'd like to take communion. He nodded yes, with tears streaming down his face. I prayed over him, and then his daughter came home, and I left. Ray died two days later. I believe that God gave me a gift. I got much more out of that visit than Ray did. Being available to the Spirit's leading means that we're not too busy that we miss out on God's plan for us and for others. Well, Philip got up, he went, and he met the Ethiopian official who was in charge of the queen's treasury. Now, in this time period, the king of Ethiopia was thought to be divine or holy, and so he wouldn't have been dealing with any of the business of the kingdom. So, it was the queen who ran the show back then. <clears throat> the king reigned, but the queen ruled. <laughs> Sound familiar? The neck that turns the head, so to speak? That's not how it is in my house at all. Right, honey? <laughs> well, the spirit told Philip to go to the official's chariot, which would have taken a lot of boldness on Philip's part, because this man was clearly in a very different social status than he was, and he most likely had an entourage with him. Authentic Christianity goes to unlikely places. Again, this desert road seemed an unlikely place for Philip to be going after this ministry that he'd been a part of in Samaria. There would be few travelers on this road, as there was actually a new road that was from Jerusalem to Gaza at this point. But have you ever encountered God in an unlikely place? Have you ever gone to an unlikely place and taken God's presence with you? This Ethiopian would not have run into Philip if Philip had not been willing to go to the desert. Missionaries go to unlikely and difficult places all the time. Why do they do it? Because they know the Spirit is leading them there for the sake of other people. We should never think there is any place where God's presence isn't needed. Some of us are very fearful of the culture, and we deem some people and some places as God-forsaken. Well, they might be God-forsaken because we don't go there to take his presence with us. We need to meet people where they are. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was at the parties. He was turning water into wine, hanging out with tax collectors and outcasts. Is there an unlikely place that God might be calling you to or an unlikely person? When I think of unlikely places and taking God's presence, I also reminded of Pastor Bud and his days in the streets of Seattle with Operation Nightwatch, going to places where nobody else would think to go. He inserted himself into that seedy culture 
with others. And because of that, God's presence was there. It was no longer a God-forsaken place. Authentic Christianity is found by sincere seekers. God does not hide from us. We hide from God. The Ethiopian had been at the temple to worship. There may have been some festival going on, and that's why he was uh, returning from there, but he was honestly seeking God. Many people say they haven't found God yet. That's not God's fault. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Counterfeit Christians are looking for God that fits their idea of who God should be, not necessarily God. A God that makes sense is what we all want. But you know what? In my old age, I really don't want a God that makes sense to me because I'm really aware that what makes sense to me usually doesn't make sense later on. If my human brain can figure out God, then he's not God. I know that can be frustrating because I watched as my husband struggled for years before he believed in God. He had a scientific mind, and if he couldn't see it, he wasn't going to believe it. And it wasn't until he started really seeking the truth and accepted that what he was seeking might not fit into his idea of who God should be, that he was finally able to find God. He'd had a bad experience, like many people do, in the church. When he was a teenager, a minister told him, if you're not here every week, don't bother coming back. Well, he decided that church must be like God, which is a fair assumption, but incorrect. And unfortunately, God gets blamed for our actions, which we need to really remember. Authentic Christianity fills a need that the world cannot. The Ethiopian was a successful man, yet his success obviously didn't give him all the answers to life because he was pursuing something else. He was seeking God. Now, I can tell you that it's much easier, and you all probably know this too, to be able to share about your faith with somebody who's living in poverty or in real need than a person who seems to have everything at their fingertips, right? All of our stuff masks our spiritual poverty, at least for a while. This man may have been at the point where he had it all, but he still wasn't fulfilled. Something was missing. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, that's eternal. This man and all of us get to a point where we all, what we can see, our possessions, our relationships, our vacation homes, all of our stuff, they fall short of meaning because they're temporary, because it can all be gone in a minute. Searching for what is unseen or eternal is what's going to give us real contentment and meaning in this life. Authentic Christianity understands the importance of knowing Scripture. 
The fact that the Ethiopian was reading meant that he had a scroll, which was not common back then. People didn't just carry their Bibles around with them. Scrolls were very expensive, and so it shows that he placed a high priority on reading God's word for himself and having access to that. Philip also knew the importance of Scripture because he was able to explain it to this Ethiopian man. Think if Philip had not valued knowing Scripture. He would not have been able to help this seeker discern what he was reading. That's a good lesson for all of us. Memorizing Scripture is a great tool because God's Word hidden in our hearts, as King David says, helps us respond when life happens in a Christ-like way. We can recall what God says is true, and we can put that into practice. But I would also challenge you to go beyond memorization and study what God's Word says, using history and context. Too many times we Christians take verses out of their original uh, meaning to fit what we want to say, and we miss the real meaning and the intent of what those writers meant. And worse, we can distort what God's Word says if we take things out of context, out of the culture, out of the original meaning. Well, Philip was able to point the Ethiopian to Jesus in the Old Testament scripture from Isaiah that he was reading. The Spirit was certainly leading as this man just happened to be reading Isaiah 53, which is the description of Christ as the suffering servant. Now, for any of you who think that the Old Testament is less relevant to Christianity than the New Testament, you could not be more wrong. The entire Old Testament points to Jesus the Messiah. In verse 35, it says, So Philip started speaking, and beginning with this scripture, this scripture meaning Isaiah 53, proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. He tied in Old Testament to who Jesus was. Authentic Christianity asks questions. Counterfeit Christianity has all the answers. What I know about the Bible is that the more I know and learn, the more I realize what I do not know, right? Teach confirmation, and you're going to realize how many things you don't know. There were times when I would have to say, "Uh, let me check into that, and I'll come back next week and get back to you about that. Asking questions is great. I think, to me, what keeps me from asking questions and others is fear. Now, what do I mean by that? Maybe some long-held belief that you had might be shaken if you start really asking questions. It's easier to see things in black and white because you don't have to think as much. Well, there's four questions here that we see, and Philip begins with, do you understand what you are reading? And I love the Ethiopian's response. How in the world can I unless someone guides me? And I think in parentheses was probably, you idiot. Verse 31, the Ethiopian in the how how can I, he he is being so open and vulnerable here. He doesn't pretend he knows. He's like, how can I know this? I need someone to come and help me. He continues asking, questions, which shows that he's humble and he's sincere desire to understand. 
He asks, who are these verses about? And I love how he says, look, there's water. What can stop me from being baptized? He thinks, why not? Instead of, oh, maybe I'm not ready or this isn't the right time. He was going to jump in literally with both feet. Lastly, Christianity, authentic Christianity, bears fruit. How do you know when something is authentic versus counterfeit? Well, usually there's something, some document or something that proves or shows authenticity. I have certificates that authenticate a few pieces of jewelry I have and some artwork put away in a little box. But how do we know that Philip and the Ethiopian were authentic? Did they have papers that came with them that had this stamp of approval? Well, we know because Philip was led by the Spirit, not his own desires, and was used in the conversion of many people. The Ethiopian took the next step in his faith by asking to be baptized. Both of them showed how they lived out their being followers of Christ. Their outward actions reflected an inward belief that Jesus changes everything. Now, this list that you see here leads me to what we've been saying for about the last year now about our church, that we want to be a place where people can and want to belong, become, and engage. And I see all of these uh, attributes on this list as just naturally taking us to this place. All these traits funnel into someone being able to feel like they belong and want to become more like Christ and engage in ministry, whatever God has called them to be. So I ask a question of myself, am I someone who makes others want to belong where I am? Do I give space for others who are in the process of becoming all that God has created them to be, or am I trying to correct or change them on my own? Asking questions is the best way to help someone become. You know, something that I've gotten in the habit of doing when I'm in a restaurant, you know, servers are coming back and forth and they're busy and everything, but I purposely take time to ask them questions about themselves especially if they have a tattoo. I love to ask about because I'm so intrigued with them. And it really gets them to open up and tell me about why did they have that tattoo and where did that come from? Because there's always some special meaning. Or I say, do you live around here? Or how long have you been doing this? Or just asking questions. People are not used to that. We're all so in our own little worlds. Now, maybe... Your busyness keeps you from being open or you need to prioritize studying the Bible. You need to look at this list and decide how, what is God calling you to do or change to be a more authentic Christian or more authentic follower. Perhaps asking questions more than giving answers is your growth area. Now think about our church. Are we really in tuned where the Spirit is leading us as Philip was? If someone is looking for Christ here, are we putting up barriers? Are we fulfilling a need that the world can't? Do we matter? As I said before, I want to be a church that matters. 
The fruit is not in the numbers, but it's in people, every one of us, growing in our authenticity as Christians. An authentic Christian church offers people a place to belong, to become, all that God's created them to be, through community, through studying scripture together, and engaging in meaningful ministry here and outside these walls. This morning, we have 25 people from our congregation committed to cheering on the athletes who are participating in the Special Olympics. They signed up months ago to bring the presence of Christ to all of these, all who were created in the image of God. That's bearing fruit. Let's continue together to seek the leading of the Spirit in our individual lives and as a community, which might take us to unlikely places or people, so that we can be a church that believes Jesus changes everything, and that's all that really matters. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do lead us by your Spirit that we do not need to be confused about what's happening, but we can trust you. God, we thank you that we can be people who study your word, who gather together, who welcome others, that we can go into unlikely places because you are with us. Father, we just ask this morning that each of us would know where you want us to grow in our authenticity as Christians, as true followers of Christ. And I pray that we all would have the courage and the wisdom and the ability to follow you wherever you lead us. We pray these things in your name. Amen.